Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. I'm Ellen Zentner, Chief U.S. Economist for Morgan Stanley Research. And I'm Matt Hornbach, Global Macro Strategist for Morgan Stanley. And on this episode of the podcast, we'll be talking about last week's surprisingly hawkish commentary from the Fed and the path for Fed policy flexibility. It's Tuesday, June 22nd at 10 a.m. in New York. So Ellen, as some listeners are no doubt aware, the dominant market conversation over the past week has been around last week's FOMC meeting and press conference. The Fed laid the groundwork towards tapering its asset purchase program that it began at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic in order to stabilize the economy. It also issued projections suggesting increased chances of a rate hike next year. So I want to get your take on what any taper timeline might look like. But first, maybe let's start with an explanation of what tapering is and why the Fed is starting this discussion today. So when I think about the Fed's balance sheet, it really is another tool in the toolbox, the same as how it uses communication and rate increases or rate decreases. It also uses its its balance sheet. And when it began adding to its balance sheet during COVID, it was really to depress longer-term interest rates, uh, send a message of, of how long policy remain, would remain accommodative, and help keep financial conditions very supportive for the outlook. However, we're projecting GDP growth in excess of 8% this year. The unemployment rate continues to decline. Uh, Consumer confidence and business confidence has picked up. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we really need the Fed to press its foot on the accelerator as much as it continues to with by buying $80 billion a month in treasuries and $40 billion a month in mortgage-backed securities? So when I think of tapering, I think of it as the Fed is recognizing that the economy does not need as much support anymore. And so it can begin to reduce the pace at which it's purchasing those longer-term assets. The hawkish tone from the Fed sent a lot of investors reeling, although, as our colleague Mike Wilson said on the podcast yesterday, the Fed's signals don't seem entirely surprising given the strength of the U.S. economy. What's your take on any taper timeline, and what do you think we'll hear from next month's meeting? First, before the July FOMC meeting, we're going to get the minutes from this latest meeting, which will give us a sense of how many on the committee felt that it was time to have a robust discussion on the balance sheet. So certainly by the July meeting, we expect that robust discussion to have taken place. And we think that by the September meeting, we will get the forward guidance with more indication of when they could start tapering, what are the conditions they need to see to start tapering, what magnitude of tapering could we see and over what period of time. These are the kinds of expectations that the Fed needs to set so that by the time we actually get around to the Fed kicking off tapering, it's been so well communicated, so well telegraphed, so well expected by markets that ultimately financial markets shrug when the Fed delivers that change in policy. The other conversation here is around rate hikes. Listeners may have heard about the Fed's dot plot and not really know exactly what that's referring to. What is the dot plot and how much weight does it actually carry in terms of projecting rate hikes? So really, the dot plot looks like a kid's drawing that they brought home from the classroom one day. But it is each individual policymaker's view of what the likely path and pace of rate hikes will be, given their individual forecasts. So there's a lot of subjectivity to it. And 
sometimes the dot plot can be a headache for the Fed because it can send confusing messages to financial market participants, but sometimes it can be a godsend. But the confusing message was certainly taken from what we were presented with at the June FOMC meeting. And that's because we saw a very hawkish shift in the dots upward with several participants now expecting rate hikes in 2022, even possibly more than a hike in 2022, to many FOMC participants now seeing a rate hike in 2023, and some expecting even more than one rate hike in 2023. Now, the way Chair Powell describes it is that, you know, that is not consensus. It's a collection of each individual participant's dots. And you know that the outlook very rarely plays out that way. And very rarely does the Fed ultimately deliver the path of policy few years from now that's marking down on paper today. So Chair Powell tried to downplay the importance of the dots. But again, markets took that and ran with it. So just one final question from me. What's your take on the transitory versus sustained debate with respect to inflation? There are very clear and easy elements to point to that are transitory. And so that's any of the mobility-sensitive sectors of inflation, you know, hotels, leisure and hospitality, restaurants, airline travel, new and used auto prices. You know, these are all reflective of the supply chain disruptions that we expect to be temporary, uh, or as demand is picked up much faster than we're able to open up capacity in the services side of the industry, these are creating inflationary pressures. So those are the very easy ones to point to, and they're transient. But They're transient until they're not. And I know that sounds odd to say, but we've seen a growing number of of Fed participants become concerned that if these price pressures last for longer than expected, the more chance you give them to spill over into broader price increases. So what I'll be most closely watching is that these measures of inflationary pressures show that they are slowing on a month-over-month basis or a two-month annualized pace, if you will, so that the Fed can see that these indeed look transitory. And if they are not transitory, then you're going to see a Fed that's going to have to move even more quickly toward tapering its balance sheet and trying to send a message that it will be there to be sure that inflation does not get out of control. I wanted to turn to you for the strategy readout on all of this. And and you and I know from all the collaborating that we do that oftentimes strategists and economists don't view things the same way. We've described a Fed that came out surprisingly with a dot plot that was more hawkish. And it was more hawkish on both the timing of when the first rate hike would occur, but also the path thereafter. Um, but, you know, did markets buy fully into that? I mean, based on the price action you've seen since then, did the, the, the market immediately price in a more hawkish uh, path from the Fed? Absolutely, it did. You know, initially, we saw a variety of macro markets move in ways that you would typically associate with a very hawkish outcome from the FOMC meeting. For example, the value of the US dollar appreciated. The interest rate yield curve flattened. We also had a decline in break-even inflation rates, which suggests that investors became less concerned about runaway inflation than they had been prior to the FOMC meeting. I think part of that was certainly related to the developments that you talked about in the dot plot, Ellen. I think the other part of it was investors came out of the April FOMC meeting believing that 
of the economic data the Fed would be paying close attention to, the labor market data was the most important data for the Fed. And I think part of that was because Chair Powell spent most of the April FOMC press conference talking about the labor market. You know, he spent relatively less time talking about inflation. And when he did talk about inflation, he seemed to characterize it as transitory or likely to be transitory, which I think really threw investors off the scent at just how important the upcoming inflation data could have been to the Fed. So Matt, let me get your thoughts around this. You know, I'm expecting that the Fed will have a robust discussion around its balance sheet at the July FOMC meeting. That will tee it up for September, providing forward guidance on the scope of that and what taper will look like. But I have a pretty big lag time between the time of that forward guidance and the time that the Fed makes its official announcement in March of next year that it will begin tapering in April. Based on what you learned from the FOMC meeting last week and the price action since then, you know, where is the risk in terms of market surprise here based on what the market's expectation is and what my expectation is? Well, I think after last week's FOMC meeting, most investors expect the tapering process to commence a bit earlier than what you're expecting, Ellen. I think most people expect the Fed to begin the process of tapering in January such that the the official announcement of tapering would come in, in December, and then the process would kick off in January. There are investors, however, that expect that the Fed could begin this process much earlier, uh, perhaps making the official announcement in September and beginning the tapering process in October. That's at least what the dot plot would have some investors believing. If the Fed has any hopes of hiking rates in December of 2022, they probably need to end the tapering process in the middle of 2022 to give a six-month buffer between the last bond purchase that they make on net and the first rate hike that they make. And so in order to end the tapering process in the middle of 2022, they might have to begin it before the end of 2021. That's the perspective of some investors that we speak with. So I think any tapering process that started before the end of the year, while it might not be a surprise to some investors, would certainly surprise the large majority of investors that we speak with. A tapering process that began either in January of next year or in April of next year, as you're currently expecting, would probably be less of a a surprise to investors. All right. Well, I think it's pretty clear that either way, the Fed's got a lot of communicating still to do around this. And I think for us Fed watchers, it's going to be a busy summer. So Matt, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Great talking with you, Ellen. And thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share thoughts on the market with a friend or colleague today. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you. 